we have to let our kids figure out certain things on their own. When they need to fail at things to learn that that thing wasn't right for them, for them to then discover what is right for them. Oh my goodness, that is so, so true. Now that is a clip from a conversation with Joy Cho from an episode last fall. But I thought we could all benefit from her words of wisdom right now as another school year begins and we are sending our kids out into the world to navigate all of the things, especially how to feel confident. She literally wrote the book on this topic aptly titled A Kid's Book About Confidence. Now, Joy is one of my favorite people. Over the last 17 years, she has grown her brand, Oh Joy, from a graphic design studio to a lifestyle brand designing hundreds of products with brands like Target and Keds. Hey, we even partnered for a limited run of chapbooks designs. Joy currently lives in Los Angeles with her husband and two daughters. And in this encore episode, she shares the story of how she found her own confidence as a little girl and how she coaches her girls along their journeys. I also love the way she candidly shares about how she deals with major professional setbacks and what she's learned from failure. Joy is an avid black belt, wait until you hear the story about that, and also happens to be the most followed person on Pinterest. Her stories are fascinating and you are going to love her. Do you feel like other moms have life all figured out? Well, as the mother of seven, I can tell you that we are all just doing our best and making it up as we go along. But at least we have each other. I'm Vanessa Quigley, and welcome to the Mom Force Podcast, brought to you by Chatbooks. But first, can I just offer a friendly reminder? I know you're taking all of those fun first day of school pics. But don't let them just live on your phone. You have to print them. Now, when my youngest, who is now 15 and going to be a sophomore, was going to kindergarten, I realized that not only did I not have scrapbooks for him, like some of his luckier older siblings, but I hadn't even printed a single photo, well, besides our annual Christmas card. (laughs) So I invented chapbooks as a super easy and super affordable way to get my photos off of my phone and into the hands of my children. And now you too can free your photos from your phone for the cost of lunch. Plus, did you know that printed photos are scientifically proven to give kids more confidence? Download the Chatbooks app and start your subscription today. Use code MOMFORCE for 15% off. Find out for yourself and happy chatbooking. Okay, hello, hello, Joy. Welcome to the Mom Force podcast. Thanks for having me, Vanessa. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, I've been a huge fan, Joy. I've been following you forever. I bought all of your fun things in Target when you had your line with Target. We had a chapbooks collaboration with you that was so fun. And I was trying to remember why I was in LA, but I remember coming to your studio with some of the people from our chapbooks team and seeing your stock room of all of your cool props and your office was just, it was just all the old Joy vibes and I loved it. So fun. Yes, I know. Thank you. I can't remember why you were there either. I feel like you were in town with your one of your siblings. Was it when we were on Shark Tank? I was on Shark Tank with my sisters. Maybe that was the yeah, trip. Yeah, maybe it was during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. It feels like a lifetime ago. A lifetime ago. I know. We've been at this for a long time. Well, I'm so excited for our community to get to know you a little bit better. And since we're all about photos here at Chatbooks, I want to start with a question. It'll dig into the nitty gritty of a photo that you might have. Because often 
there is a backstory to a photo that we don't see from just the image. So can you tell us, is there a photo of your family that maybe has like a real nitty gritty backstory to it? Well, it's funny, like there's a photo from our very first family photo session, you know, like once you have kids and you start trying to take those Christmas photos to send out to everybody, you know, we didn't do that growing up. My family didn't do it and my husband's family didn't do it. But once we had our first child, we were like, okay, let's, let's do this. This is what people do, I guess. Um, So we have this photo of with our oldest who is now almost 11 but in the picture she's about one uh, a little over one and it's super cute and it's with one of our friends max wanger who is an amazing photographer and he was doing like a pop-up photo shoot thing right beforehand my husband and i got into a huge fight like not anything about anything real you know how these things go like yeah. your arguments with your partner it was just something stupid but it was right before so we didn't get to finish sort of resolving it because we do like to just like resolve things before we go to bed or, or whatever but we had to go in because we had this like time slot this short time slot for it so we took those photos completely not totally resolved and i think that it's just so funny because you look back it's like you're like ah, like bigger, bigger, bigger. And then all of a sudden you see in front of this camera and you're like, I, I know some of you can't see my face, but you know, the <laughs> idea of like just going from that annoying feeling when you're arguing with your spouse. And then all of a sudden you have to be like your, your best face of the year because everybody's going to see this picture. And so we, I now have this wall, this gallery wall in our, our hallway that has all of our family pictures over the years. And so every time I see that one, I'm like, Hey, remember we got into an mm-hmm. argument right before this? Like no one would know by looking at it, but it is actually kind of a reflection of real life. We have those same photos too, where you're like, all right, we'll deal with this later. But for now, put the smile on and um, for the sake of the family photo session, I love it. Okay. I saw something else that you shared on social media, funny about your family photos. It has to do with your husband and a certain shirt. (laughs) Tell us about that. Oh my gosh. So you know, we've been really good about taking these family photos every year since having kids. So my oldest is now almost 11. And so we just did our family photos for 2022 uh, last weekend. And I'm always like, I love clothes. It's sort of just my thing. I love figuring out like a theme that's not too themey and too matchy, but like cool and color coordinated, whatever. And so I always put a lot of thought into it. But this year, I really didn't spend as much time, partially because my kids have way more opinions now, and I have limited things of what I can ask them to wear. And also, you know, life just took over. So maybe like the night before, two days before, I'm just sort of like, oh, what are we going to do? And every year, like my husband really only has like two shirts that are acceptable for me within whatever the rest of us are wearing, partially (laughs) because I like prints, I like patterns. But if you know the rules of taking pictures or if you're ever like when people tell you what not to wear, when it comes to patterns and you need to do something slightly larger scale, you don't want to have super skinny stripes, you know, and so he only has like one or two shirts that work with that. And so there's this one shirt that's like light gray and white kind of jumbo gingham that he has worn almost every year. And I think I forgot because every year I just looked at it as like a new thing. He also only wears it for the photos that he doesn't wear it any other time. <laughs> so it's like, I haven't seen that shirt in a year. So it doesn't feel like, oh, he just wore it. And so as I was pulling it out, 
I looked again, I had this family photo wall that I just finished over the summer. It was on my summer bucket list. So I walked the hallway and we looked at it and we kept pointing out where he was wearing the same shirt. And in my mind, like I knew he had worn it more than a couple of times, but I don't think I realized how many times because you just forget (laughs) from the year before. So it's kind of funny. And so I had originally planned to make him wear a different shirt. But then you know what? After I shared that, it was kind of really amusing how many people were like, just keep with it. Like keep going. I love it. Hilarious. And so he wore it. He wore it again this year. I think it's hilarious, especially in contrast to you, because you are you're such a fashion icon and so many looks and you share on social media. And then the fact that he's just like, you know what? I found something that works for me and I'm just going to go. <laughs> and that you didn't even notice until you got all your photos printed. That is hilarious. <laughs> okay. You mentioned really briefly that there are some rules to follow when you're doing family photos. Tell us a little bit more about that. Like what are, what are some style tips? So as I had mentioned, some people love the full on matchy matchy and that's totally cool if that's your vibe and that's your thing. For me, that hasn't been my thing. And it's easier for me to give myself an assignment and to be able to work within the constraints of that assignment than just the the full realm of things. And then one year we did florals. And so one of my kids had like a jumbo, cool graphic daisy sweater. And one had like a more soft dress that had like tiny daisies on it. And I had like this sheer, like white on white floral top. And so it was just like ways to do it without them being exactly the same. So that's, that's number one. Number two, try the pieces on your kids ahead of time, because sometimes we've all done this. We pick out these outfits. We're so excited. We're like, we've got it. This is going to look so cute. And then you stick it on your kid like right before or the morning of, and they're just like, it's itchy. I don't like it. And then you have tears Mm -hmm. and you have whining. And it's the last thing you want right before you're trying to take, again, the happiest photo of the year. And so I've learned to try them on ahead of time. Number one, make sure they fit. There's no itchy tags. There's no annoying textures. And also that your kid feels comfortable because I had a phase of my life where my kids did not care if I picked out their clothes. They just said, we'll wear whatever. But that has since changed as it usually Mm -hmm. does. And, um, you know, I have one kid who doesn't want to wear any dresses and that's fine. I don't care. I don't need her to wear a dress, but also I just need something that's like not what she would wear to school. It just feels a little bit special. So, you know, we struggled with that this year, finding something that she felt comfortable in and that felt like a little bit more special, but work those things out ahead of time. And then I think my last thing is just, if you're, you don't have to get a professional photographer. If you have one you love, great. If you're, if the budget works for you, great. And make sure you get the ones that are candid and aren't so serious and aren't so posed. But again, if you don't want to hire a professional photographer, just get a friend. I mean, really, it's just about capturing something together. I mean, I like some people can pull vacation photos. You can pull photos you've already snapped that are candid. But if you feel like you want to take this sort of like intentional thing, do it, but don't spend too much time on it. Some people do self-timers on a tripod. It can also be that. It's just the idea of doing it. Oh, and I'm going to add one more thing because I see this every year. Moms get in the photo. Moms and parents get in the photo. A long time ago, there was a hashtag, mom stays in the picture. And I don't know if for those of you who remember it, the idea is that a lot of times moms stereotypically are always the ones taking the photos of the whole family. And then so you end up having all these photos without the mom in it. But what your kids want when they look back on these pictures someday is they want to see 
their parents. They don't just want to see them. Yep. They want to see their parents who then look young and eventually will not look the same. So keep yourself in there. And same thing with the family photo. Sometimes people do whole sessions and then they just take the photos of the kids, stick them on the card. And that's what they said in the mail. I want to see my friends. I don't just want yeah, to see their kids. Yeah. Let me see. Let me see all of you. If you're going to go through the trouble of doing it, put yourself in there, put yourself on the, on the card too. Yep. A hundred percent. I am totally with you on that. In fact, we did a whole campaign with our chapbooks Real Mom years ago about getting into the photo. We don't want to be missing in all of our chapbooks, right? So I'll put a link to that video in the show notes for everyone to see. Um, and I love all of that advice you gave about styling family photo shoots because I think it really has to do with confidence because it's hard to like, especially if you have a big family and you're trying to make sure it all looks good. Sometimes the easy way out is to just be like, okay, everyone in jeans and a white shirt or a white shirt and khaki pants. I mean, we have those photos too, because it takes a little bit of confidence to be like florals, big prints, like this is going to work. And you have such an eye for that. So thanks for encouraging us to like stretch a little bit. Speaking of confidence, let's talk about your book, A Kid's Book About Confidence. Now, I just love that you wrote this book in collaboration with a kid's company. Tell me, how did this come about? Well, you know, I think that I've, I've written some books prior, both for adults and for kids. So writing books wasn't necessarily a new thing for me, but I had come across this amazing company called A Kid's Book About um, a few years ago. And it, their first book, which is a kid's book about racism, was very impactful and, and so very much needed. It was something that I was sharing on my own social channels. And as I saw that they had topics about you know, lots of different things. I, me and the founder, Jelani Memory, got in touch and we just started chatting as, you know, you just do when you respect what other people are doing. And we were trying to figure out if there was a way that we could work together. And so he asked me, he's like, is there a topic that you would want to write about? You know, we were casually chatting and confidence came up in the sense that part of what I do with Ojoy, with my brand that's now been around for 17 years, which is so crazy, is the idea that the things I'm sharing with you, the adult who is following along, is for me to help you with your confidence, right? I'm not there yeah. able to hold your hand every step of the way, but whether I'm giving you business advice, whether I'm encouraging you to dress colorfully in the way that you want, where I'm giving you tips for your home, whatever it might be, Essentially, it is really to make you feel more confident in those parts of your life, right? Because feeling confident allows us to tackle the rest of our life. It allows us to feel more happy. It allows us to feel more free. It just is really just such a strong feeling to have. And the crazy thing about confidence is that it's not something that we always have every day. It's not like you, once you have it, it's you have it every day or you have it about every single thing in your life. It's legit up and down all the time about different things, about relationships, about things we do, about our accomplishments. So it changes all the time. And I think that's what makes it tricky. Of all yeah. the things we teach our kids, it is such a thing that will always be changing for the rest of our lives. And so that that subject means a lot to me. Um, and so we decided to for that to be the topic. And you know, it also came at a time when I have, you know, I have two girls and I think especially with girls, the the way that confidence ebbs and flows is much different and it's 
a much bigger conversation sometimes. Um, and not that it doesn't happen with boys either, but that was just the thick of the world that I was living in, you know, I was in it. And so thinking about how I would discuss it with my kids, either at that moment when we were going through things or in the future, when I knew they would get more into the tween and teen years, which is always more complicated. I really wanted to be able to, to speak to it in that way. And so if you read the book, it's it addresses sort of my history with confidence when I really had none of it, very little of it in my youth, how I built it up, how I gained it, and also just tips for kids on how to work on it. Because again, I can't tell you one magic thing that's going to all of a sudden, boom, it's going right. to change your whole life. But I can tell you things that will certainly help and ways that you can help to equip yourself with with confidence. Yep. And you mentioned your oldest is 11. You have two daughters? Yeah. So they're both turning eight and 11 next month. Such good ages before hormones really start to hit and life gets tricky. But one of the things that I love about your book is how the first page starts by saying, this book is best read together, grown up and kid. Now, why start the book that way? Is that the way every book in this series starts out? Well, you know, this series, you know, which it focuses on kids roughly five to 10, you know, that's kind of like the sweet spot age group. And number one, part of it, I think, is that it evokes conversation. I have a ton of these books and there are some that my kids completely read on their own and then they can come to us with questions. But there are some where there might be an opportunity for you to ask you know, pause for a moment and ask your child a question about it. You know, I ask questions in the book. I I am asking for a prompt in response. And so a child can completely do it on their own if they're if they're reading. But it is nice, I think, as a parent, especially if you're actively going through that particular struggle or that particular topic, I think it's a nice way to be able to open up that conversation because Sometimes with certain topics, now confidence is not one that's necessarily so controversial or so difficult, but there are some topics that are more difficult and more controversial that it helps parents also to be able to have this book to start it. You know, they're not mm-hmm. trying to come up with everything from scratch on their own and they're just nervous like, okay, so you know when you were bullied today or you know when that kid said something racist to you today, whatever it might be, like these books really help to sort of break the ice a little bit between what might feel a little bit hard for parents. And then for topics that maybe aren't as awkward, it's just still a great conversation to be able to have. Well, and confidence is one of those things that we all want our kids to have a lot of, but it can be so tricky. You're tricky to know how to help a child that is struggling, but also when a child might seem a little too confident, (laughs) you know what I mean? I mean, if I'm being honest, we are kind of going through a bit of a rough patch with my youngest now, who is 14. Um, He's having a bit of a hard time making some good choices. And even though he comes off as extremely confident, almost arrogant sometimes, um, I really feel like at the root of his problems is a lack of confidence. So I, I love how you urge readers to dig into this topic together. You never know what you might learn as you do about your children and yourself. Because honestly, we as adults, we struggle with confidence too. I mean, I still have to actively work on my confidence. You talk about karate in the book and the importance Mm -hmm. of like finding your thing. Can you tell us a little bit about why karate was an important part of your story in building your confidence? Yeah, I think that I was very, um, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the whole thing, but I was a very shy kid. I had a really hard time talking to adults. I think that I was self-aware enough to know that that wasn't 
how I wanted to be. And it's not to say you, it, it's not okay to be shy. You can totally be shy. Some people are shy their whole lives, but there were just certain things that I wasn't able to do because I was so, I just felt like I couldn't talk to people. You know, I had a hard time answering the phone. This is back in the day when we had phones in our houses and we had to answer them. And there were just some things that really just, I was unable to do. And so I, in the back of my mind, I was, I thought the karate would be a really great sport for me to do. My parents couldn't afford it for a while. And then, so finally there was a time, maybe I was about 11 or 12 that I asked again and we were able to do it. And I started and it really changed my life. Uh, it wasn't, you know, karate, I think most people know is just such a great thing for confidence, for yeah. kids, discipline, confidence, a lot of different factors. And so I'm not saying that the magical key is to go out and do karate, but really it was that, that was my thing. You know, it's not necessarily a traditional sport. It's not necessarily a traditional um, hobby. And what I think that it made me realize was that once I found sort of the thing that I could be good at, you know, I wasn't good at it at first, but that I could be good at that I really loved, that I grew better at, and I saw progression, I saw accomplishment, all the way up to then eventually becoming a secondary black belt and teaching classes to kids and adults. I mean, and that's that's one specific example, but it is about knowing what's right for you and not what's right for anyone else. Because right. I think the key is that a lot of times parents think that, oh, for my kid to be confident, I need to remind them how amazing they are. I need to remind them that they're great at this, they're great at this, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't matter what other kids say. All those things are lovely, but it doesn't really work until your child believes it themselves. They mm -hmm. have to believe in themselves. They also have to discover it themselves. And this is something that I'm you know, constantly working on too as a parent because there's lots of times when I want to hand this thing to you. I want to protect you from life. I want to make everything easy or you know, not make you sad or upset. And, and we figure out along the way when we have to let our kids figure out certain things on their own, when they need to fail at things to learn that that thing wasn't right for them for them to then discover what is right for them. Yeah. And as a parent, it's hard to know how, like, should you push your child to do something uncomfortable because you think that's going to help them gain confidence or should, should you just let them lead? Like my, my train of thought has been like, expose my kids to a variety of things and they will naturally gravitate to the thing. And my older kids all kind of did that. My oldest, you know, it was lacrosse and then my daughter was music and, and soccer for one. Um, my youngest is just, he is, he has such a variety of interests and he will go hard and deep, like yo-yoing, for example, not a mm -hmm. traditional like thing. Right now it's with aquatics. He has four tanks in his room with various fish and plants and things. And my husband, you know, baseball was such a big part of his life and really Declan, my son, he's talented. He is athletic and he could do really well in baseball, but he isn't personally driven for baseball. So it's kind of become a little bit of a battle. And it's hard to know, like, is he, he's, he could learn really great lessons and could build confidence playing baseball. But should we keep pushing him to do that? Or should we just like back off and just let him pick up the next big thing like pogo sticking? I don't know. That's probably would be the next thing. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's a constant, that's a constant inner uh, dilemma for a lot of us. I mean, some people have very strong feelings. Some are very much like, no, this is what I decide. I'm the parent, you're going to do this. And this is your track. And then there's the other side of like, let the child choose whatever they want. If they don't, if they're not interested, 
move on. I personally am somewhere in the middle, I think, and it sounds like you might be too, where I do think that at a certain age, kids do have more of the ability to know what's right for them and to really choose and to to know when it's not right. And, and that's like a slightly older kid. But when they're younger and they're just getting into activities and hobbies and sports and music lessons, there is a window where they're going to want to quit after two classes or two lessons if it doesn't go perfectly. And it's not going to because the first 10 classes or lessons of anything probably aren't going to go amazing. And so they're not usually going to have like the best time of their lives right away. But if you see that there's interest, if you see that there's skill developing, if you see there's a connection being made in some way, to me, then it's worth it to pursue at least a little bit and just see, you know, I have a similar example where I played competitive tennis in high school and I played off and on my whole life. And now in my forties, I'm on a tennis team and a league here in LA. And so I've really gotten back into it again. And my kids both have played, I've taken lessons since they were four and a half. And there's been times when sometimes they're like, ah, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. And I know that because I, I play, they feel a little bit of a pressure to like, you know, play or to, Mm -hmm. they don't want me to be upset that they don't want to do it. And so only recently, my oldest one, she had been playing now for over six years. She's been gravitating towards other sports. There's been other sports that have been new that she really loves. And I can see the difference between how she reacts to those versus to tennis. And so after six years and after really having put in like this time, we said, okay, you know, if you're not into it, if you want to take a break or you want to quit, like, we're okay with it now. But, you know, back when she was five or six and she wanted to, we didn't let her because there there weren't a ton of other options at that point. You know, there are certain ages where their kids' bodies just are able to do more things. And we also wanted, there's something about sort of pushing through and commitment that we wanted her to learn about. So that's sort of our recent experience with, with that. Yeah, I guess the key is to just keep looking for signs of what they are gravitating towards and what might be a good fit developmentally. It makes me think of my childhood and how I ended up dropping a sport that I actually loved. You know, I'm the oldest of 12 kids, so it was really hard for my mom to be super engaged in all of our lives. And I loved playing softball as a young girl. I had a neighbor or friend who played softball, and that's kind of how I got into it because she was like, come play. And then they always drove me and it was easy for my mom. And then when I went to high school, I heard over the announcements, the announcement to anyone who wanted to join the softball team, come to this classroom after school and we're going to have our first meeting. And I was like, cool, I play softball. I want to keep playing softball. And I remember walking as a freshman to this classroom and I looked in the window and there were all these older girls, like big, scary looking. I didn't recognize anyone in there. And I didn't have anyone encouraging me to like stretch beyond that discomfort to like, oh, it'll be okay. You can, you can do it. You're, you're actually, you're really talented. Give it a shot. And so I let that little voice in my head that was feeling scared, just say, never mind. I'm done with softball. And that was it. I never played again. And I have regretted that so much. And I kind of wish that my mom knew that I cared about it that much and was able to like say, I know it's going to be scary, but just give it a shot. So I try to be that voice for my kids. But finding that balance is just, it's tricky. And that's that's all parenthood, right? Trying to find the balance between yeah. pushing them and then letting them become who they need to be. Um, you also mentioned the, the truth that our confidence as we go through our lives, it ebbs and flows, right? It waxes and wanes. And 
I had, it made me think about when I was really young, I didn't, I didn't consider myself an athlete and, and, you know, in elementary school, you had to do the, those, um, presidential fitness tests. And one of it was like yeah. running around the track and doing arm <laughs> flex arm hangs, which I couldn't do either one. And I was so self-conscious about not being able to be a good runner that I convinced myself, I told my PE teacher, I was born with deformed ankles and that I couldn't do the running. And I, I had, <laughs> so convinced her that I convinced myself that I, I'm not a runner. I can't run. I have deformed ankles. It hurts my body when I run. And it wasn't until I was like in my mid thirties that I had a girlfriend challenge me and say, you know, I think you could be good at this. I think you would love it. You know, this will be our girl time. And she got me out starting to run little by little. And then within a year I was running half marathons and it kind of, it was a huge confidence boost for me because it, it went from something that I thought was impossible and not for me to like, oh, actually I am an athlete and I am strong and it feels really good to run fast. But spoiler alert, I don't really run anymore. <laughs> I've moved on to other things that I love. And so I'm not as confident in running as I used to be, but my pickleball game is getting stronger. Um, in your book, you pose the question, what's one thing right now that you feel confident about and one thing that you don't. And I thought it would be fun to flip that over onto you, Joy. Can you tell us right now what's something that you feel really confident about and something that you don't? Mm. Well, first of all, thank you for sharing those stories, both of them, because I think that's like that's really important. And it's those are great things to be able to think back on mm-hmm. for your not only for yourself as a reminder, but also for your children too, as you're working through things. Oh, let's see. Well. I think that I feel confident in my ability to make something happen. I've always been a go-getter in the sense that I know what I want, you know, and again, karate being probably one of the earliest times it sort of started this, but in my career, I've always known how to go after something. It doesn't mean I always get it. It doesn't mean that like every job I want, I get, or every pitch I put out there, I get, but I know how to put in the work and the time to set myself up for success as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just one of those people who's been able to say yes to things, even when I have no idea how to do it, because I know I'll figure it out. And so that I feel confident in. (laughs) That's awesome. What I don't feel, I don't, I mean, I'll be honest, like social media these days, I can't say I feel like the most confident. I mean, I'm, I'm getting older Maybe I'm getting the good. This is what's going to go spiral through my mind, right? If you can relate to this. Let's hear it. I'm getting older. Who knows if people even care? Maybe I'm not relevant. Do you even care what I'm doing anymore that you want to follow along on my social media? I don't know. You know, and I think that it's, it's, it might sound silly to people who might hear that and they're like, what? But like, and this is part of my job, right? Social media is part of my job, but it's not, it's not. I didn't go to school for this. Like I'm a designer who happened to fall into social media and I do that with the rest of my work, but it's also a very strong tool. It's a very strong marketing tool that we all use to help to grow our businesses. And same thing with you guys at Chatbooks, you know, it's such a big part of our marketing and how we get work and how we get customers and all that stuff. But man, me being sort of the face of my brand, sometimes I'm like, do people care? Like, do you guys even want to watch this stuff? Like, do you, are you interested in what I'm doing? What if I just go away? Like, what even, anybody even notice? Well, know? I'm so glad you shared that because it is the most relatable thing ever. That, that is, that, yeah. I think that's a thought that commonly goes through people's minds. And I love following you. I think you're 
amazing. And I hope you keep doing it. And <laughs> you're not alone. Let's just say that. <laughs> One of the things that I, I talk a lot about on is motherhood. You know, I've, I have seven kids. My oldest is 27. I've been doing it for many years. I'm the oldest of 12. I watched my expert, amazing mother, like, and there are some times where I feel like I've got this figured out. I know, I know exactly how to do this. And then last night, I will just say last night with my son, I realized I have no idea what I'm doing. I absolutely <laughs> do not know how to parent this child. Like, so even when you are at the top of your game and the expert in your field, like chances are life is going to throw you a curveball, and you're going to not know what to do. And it, it rattles your confidence. But the lesson is to just keep going forward, right? Yeah, I agree. And I feel exactly the same way as you about parenting. I mean, I only have two kids. And so I, I can't even fathom how you do everything <laughs> that you do. But I feel the same way where it's like just when you get it figured out, then you have no yeah. idea what you're doing. And also really, people always tell you every kid is different. And you're like, oh, no, I can apply the same rules. But really you know, you can establish sort of your yeah. set parental thing, but yeah, like you really have to finesse for certain things with each personality yeah. and each child, you know, to touch on something you said earlier is the idea that I find when I'm in a funk or I just feel like I'm doing the same thing over and over again is really just like to force yourself to try something new, whether, whether that's as easy as recipe, right of your, you know, cookbook you've been wanting to try, whether it's a class, whether it's a sport, a hobby, I think those are the things like that. It's just that, that challenge and that change, because let's be honest, it's like, I'm in my forties, you're in your fifties, like we're at a stage where we've done life for a while and we have mm -hmm. done like our businesses for a while, we've done things. And while those things bring us joy and, you know, we're not unhappy, sometimes when you do the same thing over and over again, it can get monotonous and yeah. you just need something to break it up and you need something that is new, not always a complete shift in life, but just something just to add that little extra yeah. to the day to day. Well, one thing that can be challenging in any stage of life, whether you're 50, like me, or nearly 15, like my youngest, is making good friends. As an adult, it takes work to create and cultivate friendships, but we all know how invaluable a bestie can be. Someone who just gets you and is there to cheer you on and honestly, sometimes call you out when you need it. But surrounding yourself with people who believe in you is important. And in fact, you talk in your book about how important it is to surround yourself with good friends. And I'm thinking about our kids and how sometimes they get put in a class or on a team with or in a carpool with a kid who just isn't very nice to them. And unfortunately, sometimes someone who you thought was a friend can actually turn out to be a bully. Um, it's happened to several of my kids and it's heartbreaking. So what can we do if our kids are trying to find their place in the world and figure out what makes them unique and special and different and they end up with friends that aren't helping them feel good about themselves? Has that happened to either of your girls yet? And what would your advice be? Yeah, you know, I am at a stage of life where my oldest one is sort of going into tween territory. And so we've started having to deal with some of that more recently, I think fourth and fifth grade, especially for girls, seems to be starts early. Oh, you know, it's just it's so tough. It's it's not easy. And so I've definitely sort of been more aware of of friendships, I think, in that way as my kids get older. And I think, you know, it's like again, 
it's helping them recognize when certain friends might not be right for them. Mm -hmm. But then also over time, they will realize themselves too, because you can't control what they do at school. You can't control who they sit with or play with at recess. You're not there. What are you going to do? All you can do is hear about things at the end of the day. You can hear about potential conversations or disagreements or great friends or people who aren't really so nice. And then you can try to give them tips on how to respond, you know, next time, because chances are by the time they're telling you, they've already responded in in some way, which may or may not have been the way you would have suggested. And so we've had a lot of growing pains, I think, with that, where my oldest at first would get very upset and frustrated and we're slowly working. It's again, this is, we're all probably all working on this our whole lives, but, but her response to it or the way that she handles it or reacts to it has definitely evolved and sort of gotten a little bit more intentional or thoughtful as she's gotten older. And again, we're still in the thick of it. So it's, it's not by any means uh, solved, but But just her being aware of it and also knowing too with kids is that I try to remind them, hey, I know that kid did something unkind to you or said something unkind. It doesn't mean that they're a bad person. Like it doesn't mean we we can never play with them, talk to them, you know, sit next to them because maybe they were having a bad day. Maybe they're going through something at home, you know, maybe their parents are getting divorced. Like there's lots of things that cause children to behave a certain way. That doesn't mean that child is bad. And I think that we have to also remind our kids about being compassionate. And also, even if somebody is not kind to us, like how can we respond and still stand up for ourselves in a way that is kind back, which is very hard to do for a child. And one way I often do that is just to say like, Hey, do you remember that time that you said this to so-and-so or you, you responded to them in this way that might not have come across so great or so nice? Like what if from that one thing you said, they never want to be friends with you again. They never want to talk to you again, or they just make a judgment about you and they tell the whole class, you know, what, what if that happened to you? And then, then, then it's easy for them, even for the younger kids to be, to look back and reflect and say, Oh, okay. And not get so caught up and, their reaction to what someone did to them. But again, you know, the overarching part of this is, yeah, surround yourself with people who are going to build you up, who are great friends to you, who are supporters to you. And in our cases, as, as grown adults, people who get what you do, you know, mm-hmm. uh, most of my friends, I would say 90% of my friends are business owners and are also working moms. And they get it in the fuller sense because yeah. it's a it's a unique situation to have your own business and to mm-hmm. also be balancing all the other things. And not everybody has that. I have friends who have nine to five jobs, but you'll never there's certain parts that will be hard to relate on. It doesn't mean you can't be friends with them, it doesn't mean that you can't have other things in common. But because my business is such a big part of sort of my day to day and who I am, I do find that I relate the most to other women who have businesses as well. Totally. And one of the things that popped to my mind as you were just talking about how you help your kids frame when kids aren't being nice, sometimes that happens, is something that I do is I always make it not about me. Like if someone's unkind to me or short with me, my brain just says, 
you know, they, something bad happened to them today, or they're having a bad day, or there's, I just make it not about me. That's the way it helps me get through it. And so telling my kids the same helps them create a healthy habit of not taking things personally, because we've all not been our best selves and not behave the way that we want to sometimes. Right. Absolutely. I love the dedication page of your book. You dedicate it to your daughters. And this is what you say to my daughters, Ruby and Coco, may you always remember that it's okay to stumble. It's how you get back up again that matters. So I'm wondering, Joy, can you share with us a time that you have stumbled and how did you find your way again? Ah, well, you know, I guess I equate it most to work, honestly, just because I, I previously spoke about how I feel like I am pretty good at being a go-getter and going out there and kind of accomplishing things. Again, it doesn't always work seamlessly, but when one thing doesn't work out, something else takes its place and whatever. And I remember one of my lowest feelings work-wise was when I had this very long, you know, I had like a big client, like a big contract. And I felt confident that it was going to get renewed for another year. I felt so confident because things were going so well. And this contract allowed me to really grow my business. It allowed me to get a team and get a studio and really take it from a at-home work, work in my bedroom kind of business to like a, you know, a place, a physical place that people could go. And I had right before I had this meeting to sort of discuss the future of this particular job, I had signed a lease for a new bigger studio that was way higher in rent and was way bigger, but it was going to allow us to do even more things. And then I signed this lease. And the very next day I found out that my contract was not being renewed. And that was the first time in my career of having Oh Joy that I think I cried over a job. I came home and I like just cried in my bedroom. Just the idea of, oh my gosh, I just put all of these eggs into a basket because I felt so confident that this thing that was such a stable part of our business was going to move forward. And then it all in one phone call just was like, poof, okay, it's not, you know, we're going to finish out what we have, but we're not going, you know, we're not going further. And, you know, again, I don't necessarily see it as I did something wrong, but at the same time, I think that it reminded me that until you know something is happening, like, don't put yourself in a situation where you assume it until you know for sure. And I think I was not necessarily mad at myself about the contract not renewing, but I was mad at myself for making assumptions and moving forward with these business decisions that I might now could not afford. And so, you know, while I wallowed in my pity for like a week and I let myself be sad about it and I let my team know and made sure they knew that like we're going to figure this stuff out. And then, you know what? I went on to just sort of hustle and get us a whole bunch more work and projects and collaborations that ended up filling the spot of what that, you know, client would have been. And we were fine, you know, and this is, it, it wasn't easy, but at the same time, I figured it out again. And, and that's what happens. I think that when we have a hiccup, when we stumble and fall, whatever that might be, whether it's in a relationship or in a work situation or in life, it feels awful. You know, it feels awful in the moment because you expect something to happen and it doesn't. You 
have this vision for what's going to happen in the future. Maybe you think you're going to end up marrying this person and you don't. Maybe you think you're going to have this baby at this particular time and you don't. Maybe you think you're going to have gotten a promotion and you don't. Whatever it is, we always figure out something else. And ultimately, whatever that new path is, does end up being better. We can't see it in that moment. Mm -hmm. But it does end up being better because it makes us reassess what we thought we wanted. And then we end up fixing it to what really makes sense for us. And it's totally fine to have a cry. There's something about the image of Ojoy crying (laughs) about anything that just kind of makes me so happy because it's okay to have joy and happiness and confidence. But life comes with its ups and downs and it's okay to have a good cry. And then you just pick yourself back up and you Mm -hmm. keep going. And you're right. We always do learn from the falls. And in a way, life always gets better because of those failures or those stumbles or those things that we wanted that didn't happen. I love that. So much wisdom there. Joy, I heard somewhere that you are the most followed person on Pinterest. The most mm-hmm. followers, which is amazing <laughs> and not surprising because your design style is so unique and so happy and alive and fun. And so many people do look to you for design inspiration. But who or where do you go for your inspiration? Uh, you know, it's so tough. That's always my trickiest question to answer, to be honest, because. Obviously, I go on social media and I'm following amazing people and I'm scrolling and I'm doing that thing where we like visually digest things all the time. Instagram and Pinterest and blogs and websites and everything. And I for sure see amazing things all the time. And it's part of my job also to be aware of up and coming designers and brands and and all that. So I, I definitely see things online as we all do. But I think for me what helps to get me motivated and inspired in general is is doing things away from my computer you know is that going out to a restaurant like i love food like going out to a restaurant and like exploring whatever los angeles has to offer is that going to a concert and watching a show by a singer because i cannot sing and i will never be able to sing like that but to me seeing I think it's seeing people excel in their craft in a way that's so different than what I do, I find very inspiring, mm. which there isn't a direct correlation for me to say, oh, I follow this person and they love color. So now I love color. Like it's not as direct as that. It's really just, wow, look at that use of talent in a way that I could never do because it's not my thing but I can appreciate it so much and I can make it, it it can inspire me to think about how I could push myself more. Plus for me, it's also just fun taking a break and we're so on our computers and our devices these days, especially with my job that I just have to do stuff away from it. You know, when I'm playing tennis, it's I'm completely somebody else. Nobody knows who I am. Nobody's asking me for social media advice. Nobody's asking me for any tips about anything. And like, it's so nice to just be anonymous and just be somebody who has a tennis racket and just is out there playing a game. Yeah. I think so often people turn to the internet to get design inspiration because they don't trust their instincts. And so they're looking for what other people are doing. But every time I've asked that question of a designer, they answer it very similarly, like get offline and go out and live your life, travel, eat, you know, go to a concert. Like that is where the real inspiration 
comes and you got to have a little more confidence in yourself and what you like and what speaks to you and what makes your heart sing. Yeah. If I can add to that, I think it comes with time also, because I know there was a time in which I was trying to figure out my style as a graphic designer in the early days. And I didn't necessarily know. And you you do figure out over time based on maybe the previous jobs you've had and the work you start to get to do and the things that you start to get to gravitate towards and where you see that you're you're strong. And then it will evolve over time as you just keep doing more and more of what it is your specialty is. Such great advice. Okay, can we talk a little bit about photos? Because when I think about design and visual <laughs> aesthetics, you know, that has a lot to play into what is in my camera roll. And I don't know about you, but I have so many photos on my camera roll. Do you know how many photos you have in your camera roll? It says right now, 70,000 photos, 15,000 videos. I love it when I talk to people that have more than I do, because I have 53,000 and I feel like that's a lot, but Hey, (laughs) this is your job, right? You, a lot of the photos you take is for your work. Yes. What do you do when you have 70,000 photos on your phone? Do you have any life hacks for organizing your camera roll so that you can actually enjoy Mm. those family memories? So my one life hack that feels so simple, yet I don't know if everybody does it or knows about it, is the shared albums in photos. Oh, yeah. So for me, I mean, I have an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, I really don't have any advice for you because I don't know how to work an Android. But in the iPhone and photos, what I find to be helpful, because nowadays, both my husband and I are taking photos on our phone, especially of our kids on vacation. We used There used to be a time when we had our DSLR out and we would take those and download them and edit them and put them through Lightroom and all the things. But now the camera phone is just so good that we mostly do that. But I don't want to be at the end of the year put, trying to put together, you know, our family photo album or whatever, and trying to find photos off his phone and like trying to go back in time. So what we do is we have a shared album, which you can set up through photos if you don't already know about it. And every time we have something like later that day or that night, we both put our top picks into it. And then Mm -hmm. it goes into there. Anything else gets deleted. You know, sometimes you're taking 10 photos of one moment and just two are good. Take those two, stick them in the shared album. They still have to stay on your roll, but then the rest you can delete and just helps to make space. So we're pretty quick about that. I mean, I, especially just because for my own editing, I like to just know it's there, it's shelved. And then later, if I'm going to go and put together an album of the whole year or something to send to our parents as a gift, I know that I can go straight to that folder and not have to be spinning through my phone back, going back in time and trying to find the best photos. So smart. I know I had this same problem. And actually, I'm going to give you a little sneak peek. Chatbooks is creating a app that is going to make that even easier to a shared album for couples to not only curate those photos that we're taking, but also help document memories going forward. Anyway, stay tuned. That's going to be awesome. Um, Everyday magic is something we talk a lot about at Chatbooks. And as I scrolled through my camera roll this morning, looking on the last week, I was looking like, what is my magic Monday moment? Every Monday I share a little magical moment. And I stopped at this photo of my sister was over helping. My mom was in town visiting. My sister came over. She's a, my sister's a beautician, came over to wax my mom's nose and lip and do her hair. (laughs) And all the teenagers came home just at that time. And on next thing I know, my sister had my daughter and all of her friends lined up at the dining room table, getting their noses waxed. Have you ever had your nose waxed? 
It's I'm an experience. <laughs> oh my God. It feels like such a, <gasps> it seems like a weird feeling. It is a very weird feeling. And so watching these kids all lined up, just like innocently, like surrendering themselves to my sister. Anyway, I snapped a photo of it. That is pretty magical. Is there, <laughs> is there a magical moment that you have captured of your family or in your home lately that you could share with us? I mean, honestly, I really feel like it's just like simple everyday things, you know, when my girls are hugging or holding hands because they don't, you know, you get to an age where they're just like, I don't want to, and you are dealing with kids bickering and all that stuff. And they're pretty good. Like they get along most of the time, but every so often you'll see them being so loving with each other and like the older one putting her arm around the younger one. And like that kind of thing for me is, is, is the thing. And I try not to make a big deal about it, but then I'll I'll end up just being like, Oh my gosh, you guys. And then they're like, and they stop what they're doing they right stop. away. No. They know they- <laughs> That's why you have to take a picture of it. So you like freeze yes. it forever. Oh, I love that. Joy, you have so many amazing things that you have done in your career. And I know you probably have some exciting things coming up. What are you most excited about that you can share with us? What do I have coming out? So I have in January, a class coming out with Skillshare that is going oh. to be amazing for either entrepreneurs, those with side hustles, those looking to just change their career. I can't tell you what it's about yet, but it's really something I'm passionate about that I might've touched upon also uh, in this conversation of just things that I think will really help a lot of people go after what they want in, in their careers. And then we have some other design collaborations coming out next year for things that you can wear. Again, I can't say what category, mm-hmm. but okay. we, we started doing clothes this past year. We had a collaboration with the Odell's that was amazing and so fun. And um, I think that fashion in general is really an area that I'm starting to take more of my um, licensing collaborations. And so there's cool. more to come. Yeah. Well, I love everything that you share on your Instagram about fashion and I'm excited. We'll look forward to it. One of the most popular segments on our Mom Force Facebook group is when people share their side hustles. Um, every Everyone's got a side hustle or wants to. And so the Skillshare course will be so helpful. The Mom Force community is all about surrounding ourselves with people who believe in us and who cheer us on. And that is just exactly what you talk about in your book, the importance of having people who believe in you, because sometimes we don't believe in ourselves and you need someone else to see you and say, you've got this or help answer a question that'll help you get over the next challenge. So I'm wondering, in the spirit of the mom force, do you have a go-to mom tip or a bit of encouragement for us as we close this interview? I think that in those moments when you feel like you have not done a good job, you're just like, ugh, I forgot to pack my kids' snack, or mm-hmm, I burnt that. dinner, mm-hmm. or I did not handle that conversation well with my child. You know, I should have handled it this way, whatever mm-hmm. it is. It's at the end of the day, it's part of the memories of life that your kids will have. And they don't look back thinking, oh my gosh, my mom did such a terrible job. They're, they love you for who you are and they love you for all the things. And more often than not, it's our own guilt and it's our own judgment of ourselves that is there. It's not your your kid or your family judging you. And so give yourself that grace because we do it all the time. The mom guilt is real, but it's also, 
unnecessary and annoying for us that we have it. You know, there's no dad guilt. Like that doesn't, that doesn't really, that's not a hashtag. And so (laughs) I think I just try to think about the fact that we're all doing our best. You know, we were raised by parents who weren't perfect and somehow we managed to be here and doing our thing and we're not perfect either. And I think our kids are going to be fine. Uh, I love that. And I actually needed to hear that. I went to bed last night feeling like I need to apologize to my 14 year old. I said something I shouldn't have said in a, in the fit of passion. (laughs) And it's okay to apologize. Sometimes we do need to apologize, but it's also okay to just give ourselves a grace and be like this, we're doing the best we can and keep going forward. So beautiful. Well, Joy, you're amazing. Where can people follow all things Oh Joy? You can go to ojoy.com to my website. You can also follow at Instagram at ojoy and Pinterest at ojoy. Perfect. Thanks so much for being here and for all the joy that you put out in the world. Thanks, Vanessa. Isn't she awesome? I so appreciate Joy's honesty about life as an entrepreneur and a working mother and how she works through some of the tricky parts of family life. She's actually started doing business and creative career coaching and is currently taking new clients. So if that's something that you're interested in, check that out. Also, Joy's book about confidence is available through a link in our show notes. And follow me on Instagram at Vanessa Quigley so we can keep this conversation going. I'd love to hear how you found your own confidence. Until next time.